You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Carter comes up shooting. Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 31. Sorry guys, we took a month-long break. I hope you had a fantastic new year and a very Merry Christmas. With me, as always, is Christian Graffin and Gregory Yeroshadis. Boys, how you doing today? What's up, T-Dot? Not bad. Good holiday season. Absolutely. Any New Year's resolutions? No, I don't do that. Watch more basketball. You, I can't watch more. Watch but less basketball. That's, that's, that's your New Year's resolution <laughs> this year? All right, guys, so uh, let's get straight to the point. Last podcast was December the 12th, so roughly a month ago, so we missed quite a bit of action. Uh, Toronto Raptors going 11-3 since our last pod, uh, three losses to the Miami Heat, Dallas Mavericks, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Team currently sitting 20-11, and 7-3 in their last 10, currently sitting second in the East, two and a half games above the Cavs, three behind the Celtics, and some very unfortunate news of Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I mean, we could talk at nauseum about how the team is playing well, and we're going to get to that. But for a second, can we just stop and acknowledge the bar fight that was that game? Last night, yes. Yeah, so Miami for, uh, Heat. For our listeners who uh, didn't watch the game last night, former Raptor James Johnson threw down, threw down with Serge Ibaka. James Johnson strikes me as like a real guy you don't want to fuck with. Serge Ibaka, is it fair for me to say a fake tough guy? No. I don't no? know, man. No, he's no. not fake tough. A he guy threw that's some been in this many fights, and, yeah. I don't think you could say it's fake tough. I mean, I think he just picks and chooses his opponents wisely, because James Johnson is not someone that you'd want to mess with. He also, over the past month, had picked a fight with a member of the Toronto Raptors staff. Mm-hmm. Someone in the organization. I think it was Jamal McGlure. This is who I think Ibaka beefed with. The McGlure. This is right. because Johnson he wouldn't. Because they. I, I don't see Ibaka as someone, and this goes to your point here, I don't see him as someone that would pick on someone smaller than him. He's not Blake Griffin who's going to punch out a five foot nine trainer, mm-hmm. right? He's someone that we've seen get into it with the top, with some big dudes, right? Robin Lopez. We've seen him now get into it with Black Belt James Johnson. So <laughs> the only the only member of the Toronto Raptors staff that I could see him getting into it with would be the big cat. See, that makes no fucking sense to me. The The announcer last night was kind of, t- Matt Devon was talking about, well, I don't fuck up James Johnson. He's got a black belt. When has anyone, like, used karate on the court regardless if you have it? Like, he's going to fucking, like, spin crane kick him in the face? Like, no, he's, all, he's also undefeated in his MMA record. His MMA record? Yeah, his MMA, he he's under, an MMA record? Yeah, he, first of all, he has an MMA record, which is insane. Well, he but is, he's like, also undefeated. 260 pounds. So exactly. He's, quite he's, he's a pretty, uh, and tattoos, you know, up to the neck. He, he's a pretty dangerous guy. I would not... I think I don't uh, know. he missed his he missed that left that he threw. Uh, I, I think if he wanted to connect, he could have. 
right, guys, let's get straight back, straight to the point. Mr. Lowry. This is a Toronto Raptors basketball podcast, and the biggest issue this week, or the most scary thing that happened this week, was the uh, the bruised tailbone of Kyle Lowry, currently Ugh. day-to-day. Um, not quite sure how long he's going to be out for. Basically, quick question, what do we need to do to ensure our winning ways of Kyle not in the lineup? Does Who needs to step up? Is it DeLon Wright, Fred Van Vliet? Do we need to see the resurgence of Norman Powell, maybe? Greg, I'm going to throw it to you, buddy. It's not necessarily a matter of one person stepping up because, you know, the Raptors' philosophy has always been next man up. I think it's also going to take a little bit of a, of a strategic tactical uh, switch from the point of the coaching staff. We really had trouble scoring last night, and that could be because we're playing a pretty tough team defensively in the Miami Heat. They really get into the passing lanes. They get under your skin. But you could see that we didn't really have that second scoring option, especially with Ibaka off the court. I'm going to say it. I think we need to be giving JV more shots because he's the only other dependable scorer that seems to be putting the ball in the basket with any consistency. No, that's a great point. You're, you're, you're talking like the last two 12 games, small sample size. Guy like Pascal Siakam, like I know he's not point guard per se, but he's shooting 36% from the field. Fred Van Fleet and Miles both are respectively shooting 365 over the last 12. You know, okay, the, can I, you like, mentioned Siakam, mm-hmm. Brennan. I can't stand watching Siakam shoot threes. I'm sorry. Look, I understand the whole, okay, you want to have a modern offense and space mm-hmm. the core, but, like, there's no th- – the defense does not respect him, and rightfully so. He cannot hit that three consistency. You'd rather have him or uh, JV shooting a three? JV. He looks – JV looks to be a better three-point shooter than him. That's, they slowed one of Siakam's down last uh, – two games ago. He didn't take any last night, and uh, – he, d- he didn't take any last night. So, again, Good. he's very selective. He is selective in them. He only takes them when he's absolutely wide open, I find. Oh, I Which I will take. That, I'll, I'll take. He chucks know. them up. No, to me, I mean, I have more problem with the Ibaka taking a three with uh, a guy right yeah. on him. To me, that's more of a problematic shot because yeah. you're not moving the ball. You're not moving the offense. But, but, but when just, he's open, I would actually prefer if he just drove it as hard as he can with his athleticism to the basket and make someone commit to him. And then you dish it. So getting right. back to the uh, the Kyle Lowry injury, uh, obviously our second best player, arguably our best player, might be gone for the indefinite future. Is, it, um, is, it, so is that the case, though? I'm not exactly sure what's happening. Uh, from He was on 1050 and Fan 590 today, mm-hmm. Masai Ujiri, that is, and they spoke to him about it. And basically they said, are you going to keep him out? Like, what's his status? He said he visited with Lowry today in his office. Mm-hmm. He wants to. He wants to play. Lowry's yeah. one of those people who he said probably even versus Cleveland would want to play or at least be on the bench in uniform. Well, look, um, but they said they're going to play it smart, basically. Masai said they're not. I have a, like my take on it would be just to sit him for these next two games. It would be the What's best his thing. Injury? Why not? It's it's a classic Greg Popovich Spurs move. There's no point in playing your best players. Especially at his teams. age as well, thirty one. What's the reason, what? really? No, we're not. We're not the Spurs. We're saving it for the okay. playoffs. We're saving no, Lowry specifically. We need for the to playoffs. get home court advantage for the playoffs. Yeah, but look what happened. Or last else year. we're not going to advance far in the playoffs. Look how look how we did last year when Lowry was injured. No, no, no I understand that. Back. But he he had a legitimate injury then. I, I, that's what I'm saying. If I agree with you, if he's if he has like a, an actual injury, but if it's like a, you know, he fell on his butt. He's got a big butt. It was okay, a bad if, fall though. Okay, like hold on, like like he's a warrior. If he feels good enough to go. You know, y- y- we kind of need him, right? He's a key cog in our... Even just to have him going through the motions would give guys some some confidence. He doesn't have to be 100%. Um, 
I think it's a good time to, I mean, last night there were two people. You mentioned, you asked the question before, who has to step up? Mm-hmm. Last night they gave two people the chance. It was DeLon Wright and Norman Powell. Powell got more minutes. I th- I've seen it. Yeah. It was 24 minutes yeah. last night, and DeLon Wright had 29, which is more, at least 10 more minutes than they're DeLon's usually doing. DeLon's been playing well. well you so for me, uh, you know, they have to. about Norman quickly. Yeah. Last 10 games, 3.1 points per game, Ugh. shooting 0.245 from the field. But, I mean, that's what I was going to say. It's kind of a chance where if we don't play Lowry, you get to see what he has. You get Boom. to give him that. Powell, he needs more confidence. We've you need seen to keep what him Powell has. We've seen him last year, too. And no, he was know, really, really You're good. You're right. You so have to give him confidence. It could be an so opportunity anything, to get those guys going. I think, yeah, imagine Powell has a good game against Golden State. How yeah. amazing would that yeah, be for, for his confidence? confidence. Yeah. The Raptors yeah. need that. So, Greg, yeah. you said something um, within the vein of Norman Powell more or less being a lost cause. It's... What do you? What, no, what, he's, what is just, this he's just lost like, right now. He, he's just kind of lost, and it's, it might be a. You could see it's in his head. He was never look, and, and I think teams have scouted him. The word is out. Powell has a very direct game, right? Uh, and teams have kind of scouted that, and they and they're laying off him. He doesn't have confidence in his shot, and he hasn't really adapted to what when defenses kind of slag off him a bit. Uh, hopefully he comes around, but right now it's pretty brutal, man. Like mm-hmm. he cost up, like he made some bad. De- the thing with Powell, he doesn't make good decisions. Right, like like right. It's not just a matter of his shot not being there. It's mental. It's all mental. I find he made three terrible decisions, offensively and defensively, last night. At one point in the game last night, he had the ball on the wing, and Bam, what's his name, Bam Adebayo, Bam Adebayo. he had a, he was covering. It was one on one, and he tried to break him down and then pull up for a shot, and Bam blocked him. Yeah. Like if you can't beat him one on one, and you're Powell, a, a swing guard for us. Like, come on. You have to be able to at least take it to the hole and, and drive it and yeah. get a foul or something. He's like, lost he's, all confidence. He's got to go back to what made him a good player, which was kind of like, you know, bring the lunch pail, man. Like, don't believe your own hype. Just because you got that money, right, doesn't mean that you're some, like, you know, a uh, uh, professional scorer or sniper. No, nah, man, you come and you play hard every day, get on the fast break and throw it down, your confidence will come. Suffice to say, he needs to step up with Kyle Lowry out of the lineup. So going from a negative to a positive, what, is this DeMar DeRozan's greatest season in his career? 100%. By far. It's the best Raptors season uh, ever. By so I know you think, it, you think it's better than his season last year. Right? Well, right now, oh, so, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so right now in his last 10, 29 points, 4 rebounds, 4.7 assists. The biggest takeaway from his stats within the last 10 games, shooting 48% from the three-point line. I know it's a small sample size. I know he's not heaving, you know, eight, nine shots a game, but that's small improvement from last season especially. Like, does he have another corner turn is basically what I'm trying to get at right now. Y- yeah. Is he evolving? He is, and that... You love it, right? You love an NBA player that instead of just taking the money and going to partying on the cruise ships over the summer, actually comes back and improves. You love it. And and I see him, I think he's going to continue to get better for the next couple of years because he just keeps evolving. Like He's going to be one of these guys that develops an old man game. Well, so DeMar, I mean, I think we all heard this, but he was on, the, he was on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast and it was fantastic. Yeah, it was great It was to a hear. great interview, but one of the things that he said specifically about this question that I, I think he does have another corner turn. He basically said at the end of every summer he gets frustrated because time's run out. 
He wants to keep improving. He wants to keep working on specific things. And for me, that's just the mentality of DeMar. And if DeMar has that mentality, every single summer he's going to go into it looking for something to get mm-hmm. better at, regardless of what it is, even if it's his defense or even if it's just polishing off his shot and getting better at three. So uh, DeMar to me still does it. I don't know exactly where since he's added his Yeah, you so know, like his we're talking about the game, evolution of DeMar. Game. Like, Graffin, right. what's, that, what's the next step in the evolution of DeMar DeRozan? For me, it'd be defense. If we could see DeMar DeRozan as a lockdown, uh, I don't know if you can sort of put Clay quotations. Uh, Clay, exactly. If you could say he's he's around, I mean, Clay Thompson's the best probably shooting guard defender, but if you put him around a Navy Bradley or somewhere around there where he's a disruptor, he can get some steals, that would be, the, the I guess, the ultimate player. Tony, Al- Tony Allen with a jump shot, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think he still has a bit to go with the three. Uh, he's at a point now where when he steps into the three, it looks like he's shooting the twos. Yep. When he's contested off the dribble, you don't expect it to go in. So he, he's got to polish that off a little bit. And also, I think from a leadership standpoint, I would like to see him. I know he's not the type and he's got Lowry, but he's the man now. And 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 he when your best player um, is your emotional leader, that's a dangerous combination because then you'll get guys following him into battle. Like Lowry's like that already. You saw when he grabbed that rebound. Mm-hmm. That is a guy that lays it up for the team. That doesn't show up on the stat sheets, mm-hmm. but that rebound was one of, like a game winning play. He put his body on the line. Uh, so I think also for Demar, the next step is just growing into like a little more emotional intensity. Yeah, or or. or connection with this team like get outside of himself and help others grow mm-hmm. well I think right? it's safe to say it's kind of conjecture of the Raptors or Kyle Lowry bless him is most likely going to regress bless him sample size the point guards are 31 typically they don't get much better so this is the era of DeMar DeRozan DeMar needs to stand up and, and DeMar needs timing. to sort of grasp that leadership role like you're talking about before yeah. as well. look yeah. also he's the last three seasons he's averaged above 23 points per game in the regular season he's never averaged above 23 points in the postseason the, yeah so that I was so there's say that a, too. there's a threshold right there where you can say 23 point if you can average 25, 27 in the postseason this year, I think we can have a really good chance of going deep. Yeah, the question is, you know, and let me ask you guys, is he a superstar? Absolutely, I would say. He's a superstar. I, I, well, because this year specifically, he's becoming the superstar. superstar. I think this, this year, year, he specifically has taken that next step to become a superstar. I agree. To get that podcast with, with Wojnowski, to get... The you assists know, up. Yeah, exactly. He's being recognized right now as a top you know, seven, I would say, MVP candidate in the yeah. league. Legitimately, even hey, in the U.S. On our last podcast, right, Brandon right, intelligently brings this up, right? And, and, and right on time, he's not the top 25 for the ringer. Well, he's not top twenty-five, but he drops fifty-two. We talk, I keep on keep giving him bad rankings. Like I talked about this last podcast, <laughs> Middleton, you know, Victor Oladipo is having a fantastic season. Don't get me wrong; it, all the respect to that organization, but the fact that matters that Oladipo is doing this season is what Demar has been doing for the last five, six, seven years. So why are we in a conversation of Oladipo being the better player? And his team's not higher? better, right? Yeah. All right, guys, so going into, uh, I guess, NBA news, uh, sort of quick reactions. We'll hit these really quickly. Uh, first, one I want to touch base on Kawhi Leonard, partial tear in his shoulder. And as usual, Pop was a little nondescript about his explanation of when he'll come back. Anything further about Kawhi and his shoulder, where he's going to be going forward? Is he going to be out a while? Or I don't know. You don't know? I don't think it'll be a while. All right, guys, so I'll throw it to you, Graffin. Can the Sony, San Antonio Spurs more or less keep the team afloat 
And do you think Kawhi will be in game shape form when he returns for injury, especially going in the playoffs, especially with these new super teams in Western Conference? Basically, what I'm trying to get at, are the Spurs the same old Spurs as before, or should we be doubting them this season? Well, we've uh, done it all season, so I don't see why we do no, so that's, that's, that's my Greg Popovich there, but honestly, I, I think, yeah, they've done it all year. Uh, they're still doing very well. I was one of those uh, people that thought that they would, without Kawhi at the beginning of the season, they'd sort of have to have a rough start. They'd have to be in sixth maybe by the time he gets back. But they've played so well. Never doubt the Spurs, um, man. You can never. It, it's it's Popovich. It's, it's, it's been his proven. team. So what? no, I'm not worried. I think that they can with the team that they have currently. Players like Aldridge will step up. Players like Gasol will step up, and even player specifically more like a Rudy Gay. He's someone who will come. Who's, who's been, been injured exactly, and he's come off the bat. As soon as he comes sort of back into this rotation. Popovich will find a way to get everybody involved and make sure that they're still winning the games, at least against the bad teams. I also love the exactly. fact that G- Greg was just honest with his play of Cole, um, with Lamarcus Aldridge last year. Like he verbally stated that he knew he made a mistake playing him. He didn't put him in the right position to excel. And you're seeing mm. that happen this year, like Lamarcus Aldridge in the San Antonio Spurs system playing, you know, utilizing him in the best possible way, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Rare humility mm-hmm. from a humility. coach, right? Yeah. It's something that a lot of coaches, and I, you know, I, I speak from experience, right? Like you don't want to show like you ever made a mistake. You don't want to ever show weakness. You, you know, you want to keep that 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 uh, authority at all times. Mm-hmm. You know, Pop uh, has a has a different approach to it, right? And you're right by by coming out and being the one to take ownish. He's actually taking pressure off Aldridge, right? And now look, and then the player comes and has the year that he has, right? He's empowered him by taking that criticism. Can't say enough about Greg Popovich. Not, I, not only do I love his political views and all that stuff, like as a basketball coach, the man is just a genius and he's a great person. All right, guys, getting to the next topic, quick reaction around the league. The return of Isaiah Thomas. So currently through three games, limited minutes, under 20 per game, averaging 19.7 minutes per game, but a pretty outstanding 15 points per game. He also got kicked out of a game a couple days ago, kind of choke slamming uh, <laughs> Canada's very own Andrew Wiggins. Uh, basically, what I'm trying to get at, though, is Greg. I'm gonna throw this to you. How has he looked with LeBron? Is he the missing piece toward this sort of like faltering foundation of an organization? And do you think the Cavs need to make a trade? Yeah. Well, we'll listen to the clip quickly. Isaiah Thomas will talk about. Um, his recent adjustment to playing with LeBron James and going back and playing with Kevin Love. LeBron and Kevin, you've seen these guys for a while. A little different to run with them. What's it like to play with those guys? I mean, it's great. I mean, they, they give me space. I mean, playing with a guy like LeBron is very unselfish. If, if when I'm off the ball, he the ball still finds me. And then being in the pick and roll with him, it's like you got to pick your poison, who you're going to guard. And then Kev, I, obviously, I play with with him when we were younger, so I, I know a little bit how Kevin plays, and he's just another factor in, in helping the, the, the four the four be space for me. And they do a hell of a job of doing doing what they do, and I, I try to I try to piggyback back on them with this with this ministry restriction. So, Greg, what do you think about Isaiah Thomas Cavaliers? Do you think they're uh, they're on the upswing? Do, are they one trade away from being contender, or is this just a shit season for the Cavaliers in general? No, uh, I think with Isaiah and Crowder, they're comparable to where they were last year. The only and in any other season, they would probably be uh, you know one one A one B. Right now, they're clearly two three behind number one. 
which is the Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. the Golden State Collective. Well, you can see the Cavaliers last year, though. They kind of punted the regular season. You saw they were able yeah. to do in the playoffs as well. You yeah, no, the they, they're, they're good enough well. to win the East, but they're not good enough to beat the Warriors as presently constructed. They're just not good enough. They have no shot blocking on that team. Mm-hmm. And the Warriors, like people talk about all the Warriors and their threes, their threes. The Warriors take it to the basket, man. Well, what do you think about the, I guess, Andrew Bogut was recently released. Do you think I he's think a... I think they need more than that. More I think they that. need DeAndre Jordan. I think I, I love, I just imagining... LeBron James throwing lobs to DeAndre Jordan and and, and Isaiah Thomas and DJ pick and roll. So He's, he dribbled through his legs. So I'll throw this to you, Graf, and do you think... So two questions. Uh, what Cav- do you think? Cavaliers getting DeAndre Jordan, does that push them over this sort of hump they've been facing regular like season? And what sort of package would they have to send in the Clippers? Would it be the inclusion of the Brooklyn pick as well? Or they could yeah. be a little more sort of creative with potential trade packages to bring in a guy like DeAndre Jordan? I don't think DeAndre Jordan would be would give them enough. You don't think it would move to the needle put, to put them. Well, I mean, it would obviously make them a lot better, but I don't think it'd put them above Golden State but still. You to see me, the fit though. If they're, I mean, I, I know Brandon's going to like this already, but to me, they're going to have to go after Boogie if they're going to want to go Boogie. over. If they can get Boogie because? to get over, that will get them, I think, over Golden State because that means that they they will have to give up the pick. They'll have to give up. J.R. Smith and all these other you know players, but who cares? Doesn't matter. You have four All Stars on your team that can all eat up thirty five minutes a yeah. night, forty minutes a night if you really want to. F- forget about it. like that will put them over the top. That for me, that's Sorry, what it is. Let me jump in really quickly. Did you read that athletic article about uh, the Golden State Warriors potentially making a trade? There's, there's no speculation around this. This is hypothetical, AD? but trading was it Draymond and Clay Thompson for AD? I, well, they wouldn't. I mean, they would never do it. Hypothetically I don't think. speaking, though, who wins that trade? I would do it if I was the Pelicans. I would do it if I was the Pelicans as well. I mean, I I don't think. Like, can it's you imagine tough. Durant and Davis running your front court? Oh my goodness! I know it'd be t- with <sighs> Steph Curry as your point guard. You're right. No, because it's not fair. I still like. Are they a better team than what they have now? I know they have chemistry. I know the team's been around for a while. No, they're- I don't Ray think Thompson they are. is so underrated for what he gives that team. He shuts down the oppo- like yeah. when Demar plays that team. Like Clay Thompson. That, that's the scariest front court in the world as well. If they got Draymond Green, Draymond Green and Demarcus Cousins in the front court, holy fucking shit! But but you know what? It's interesting you bring up Boogie. <laughs> I think, and but that's why to me DJ is attractive because I. I'm not one of these people that thinks that you can beat Golden State by playing the way they play. I don't. They're the best at that. I think you have to punish them in, uh, where they're weak. Mm-hmm. And I, I, if you put Boogie and LeBron together, the force that they bring, I think, could really bother. Uh, like you can't play Kevin Durant at center against those guys. You just can't. Like he's not. He's not strong enough. Who, I mean, you could. But who on Golden State would take Boogie? No one. That Javale right? McGee. Right. I, it's funny, Boogie. The once you know, don't he's you kind dare of, disparage the good name of Zaza Pachulia. Well, well, there's. Oh, <laughs> but, but it. it's funny that 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 this guy who is sort of like the, um, he's sort of the what's the word of the NBA Boogie Cousins. He's like the enigma. He's the bad guy that he could be the key problem in taking down. Yeah, he's the problem. Yes, exactly. He's the he's the redheaded stepson of the NBA, mm-hmm. and he might be the key to bringing down this Warriors team. Something drastic has to happen in the league this year. For like a big trade has to go down for someone to beat the Warriors. They look unstoppable. Agreed. All right, guys. Moving along, uh, Greg, as usual, will have a fantastic new 2018 gripe. Griping. 
Um, it's going to be a little, uh, little Luke Walton, a little LeVar Ball. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, I thought with the new year, it'd be an excellent opportunity to kind of do a mi- sort of mid-season uh, breakdown or checkpoint on certain on mo- all the teams in the NBA. Um, a lot of splashy moves in the offseason, uh, a lot of shitty moves in the offseason, a lot of fantastic moves in the offseason. We're going to go down the Eastern Conference, and we're going to talk about each individual team, what went right, what went wrong. I'm going to throw it to you, Greg. We're going to start off with the least sexiest team in the NBA, the Atlanta Hawks. <sighs> the Hawks. Um, when I watch the Hawks, I'm, I'm, I marvel at the fact that a 60-win team two years ago could end up in the position that they're in now. A 60-win team where, what, you're talking about Al Horford, they got nothing for him. Paul Millsap, nothing. Kyle Korver, a late first-rounder. Teague just left. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Bazemore is still there, but he's making like $18 million a year. And this is is exactly it. Like, how do you go from that, right, to where you are now? And it's one thing to be bad it's another thing like when you got your young players you're developing them you see potential like Dennis Schroeder I mean they have Torian Prince that's the guy in my opinion who has yeah. the highest upside on absolutely the right? but that again like considering how good they had great veterans mm-hmm. right you gotta tr- if you know they're leaving you gotta turn it into something some asset yeah some something, kind of asset yeah. right so I just don't even understand like you're taking you're taking a 60 win starting rotation and flipping it basically with for the first round pick, yeah. Yeah. So Graf, I'll throw it to you with the Atlanta Hawks. We'll talk about this really, really quickly, potentially getting the first overall pick. Who in the draft next year makes the most sense when it comes to, you know, being the future face of the organization? Is it DeAndre Aiden? Do you see Luka Doncic? What name calls to mind? For me, you draft the best player, which is is Bagley. Bagley? Mar- Marvin Bagley to me. I mean, if you want to take a little bit of a chance and go Doncic, then then yeah, because I mean, I guess the Europeans have a bad rep for just taking well, a chance. Well, in consideration of what general. they have already, what their foundation is, you're telling me that Bagley would be the best option on that team. Absolutely. It's the first pick overall. I don't think you even... Card. Honestly, they don't really have anything that's worth keeping long-term. Mm-hmm. If they really... If they got, if they drafted or had two terrible years and they ended up getting Bagley this year and then another really good player yeah. first next year, they can build around them and let everybody else go. I like Aiden. I like Aiden on a team. I like the concept of Torian Prince playing small ball four. Aiden at five, who's a stretch five as well. That's just an interesting. I just don't know how good Aiden would be though, like on his own. As for for me, Bagley would take over as the primary scorer. He'd be all of a sudden just like the superstar. Whereas if Aiden came on, Aiden came on the team, I think you'd have to slowly progress him Mm -hmm. into the system, and he'd he'd be kind of like Bam Adebayo, but stronger Mm -hmm. and bigger, and maybe averaging fifteen and eight or something like that. Great point. So moving on to the next team in the Eastern Conference, I couldn't give this one to Greg because we do need to find some positives. I know where you are uh, a Boston Celtic hater, so Graffin, I'll throw it over to you, buddy. What went right? What went wrong? with the Boston Celtics. Fuck the leprechaun! So the Boston Celtics had an interesting... Dan, Danny Ainge, I mean, yeah. what an interesting offseason. So yeah. the, the Celtics only kept four players from last season on a 15-man roster. So to see that kind of a turnover and to see the progress they've had this year, I mean, they kept Smart, Horford, Brown, and Terry Rozier. So pretty solid pieces to keep, but everybody else they let go. I think their best pickup would... Or I think their best... It's too obvious, Gordon Hayward, because they got him in free agency, and it's not really a pickup. If anything, it's the trade to get Jason Tatum. Trading down, getting you that know rid of Markel Fultz, sort of, sp- or it, not in drafting hindsight, him. It's brilliant. Th- that's got to be number one for them. Well, previously, like before the season started, or when they made that pick action before the season started, I thought there was a lot of like overlapping with that pick, specifically Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. 
but they've just proved that they can play so well with each other, especially off the ball. Um, yeah, no, it was a very, you're absolutely right. That was probably one of the biggest draft wins in quite a while. Absolutely. And again, like, I hate Boston as well. I don't like the Celtics, but please, if you can tell me an offseason move they did that was bad, I'd like to. I try to go through them all. The best I can come up with is signing Aaron Baines for four think, and a half million, but he's actually proven to be kind of no, serviceable. No, he makes sense too. So there's, they really didn't do anything like, too you poorly. You said maybe Marcus Morris, the, if you Bradley. Yeah, but they had to get rid of cap space. Though. You're right. You're right. So they had to get something back, right? I, I don't know. It's, he's also been somewhat serviceable. Yeah. I don't think they made an offseason acquisition that was too bad. And then if you look at their future and what's set up, next year they have only $107 million on the books, or $107 million in the books, which is respectable. It's a normal amount. But they're losing nobody. They still have Brown, Tatum, Irving, Gordon Hayward we're going to get to see play. Pretty much the only person is Marcus Smart, who's a, unrestricted free, or a restricted free agent, so they have control on him. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's Baines and Larkin who are unrestricted, and they, mm-hmm. can, mm-hmm. they can walk if they really want to. So the future of the Celtics with their draft picks and everything, they're going to be fine for the next five, five, ten years. I hate to say it. All right, the next team. Uh, unfortunately, it's not a fun team to talk about, but I'll talk about them very quickly. It's the Brooklyn Nets, currently sitting 15-25, oh, 12th in the, the Eastern Conference. <laughs> um, head coach Kenny Atkinson, GM Sean Marks. I guess the worst decision they made coming into this season was trading for Alan Crabb. I would say that probably was the worst decision. Alan Crabb not playing terrible, averaging 12 points, 4.5 rebounds, currently shooting 38% from the field, also making $18 million a season. There's a lot of positives to this, and I know you can look at this team and look at how terrible the record is and just like the lack of identical players on the organization, but I'm going to look at a few positives. I'm going to start off with the draft last year, getting a guy like Jared Allen, a really big strong physical rim protector who can develop a few post moves in low post who's going to be a competent defender late in the first round it's a good foundation draft pick regardless of who the Lakers drafted with the D'Angelo Russell trade I still like that trade even though they got Kuzma from with the Kuzma pick, I guess. Anyone could have had him 1 through 25 anyway, so I like that trade still. I think in a team that is bereft of options, especially trading away three unprotected first-round picks and bringing in, a, bring in a guy who two years ago at the time was the second overall pick, it's a home run in my opinion. you got to make big big chances like this, especially this season when they traded next to nothing. What, Booker for Nick Stauskas and Gilles Okafor? Like, yeah. just these like really crafty moves, like not having a first-rounder this year, but trading to get Damari Carroll's contract contract on the Raptors first rounder yeah. they made a bunch of decisions and that's all it's all in testament to Kenny Atkinson and GM Sean Marks yeah. and the way they're playing offensively they're just running and gunning they're literally playing like this positionless modern day basketball we always dispose on the podcast they're currently second in the league on three-point attempts and six and free throw attempts it's either three-point line or right to the basket so the strategy is there the players are not but I like what they did in the offseason considering that they did have they didn't really have any other option other than tank. Mm-hmm. They definitely um, upgraded their talent base. Yeah, it's hard to see where they are because they don't have Jeremy Leonard, D'Angelo Russell. I'm right? saying like, uh, that's true. Russell, as well, when right? Russell gets comes back, which I think is going to be but coming, soon, but right? Sean Marks coming in for Billy King. This is the best case scenario I can imagine. Yeah, like, taking what assets he had and transforming his team to what it is today. Yeah. All right, moving down the list, I'm going to throw it to Greg, Chicago Bulls. So the Bulls are like the Hawks in that they suck. But unlike the Hawks, <laughs> they got rid of their star player and Jimmy Butler in time to get something in return, right? So they've got 
Zach Levine. Back Saturday as well. And I'm right? in restriction yeah, he's as well. Coming I'm back, excited for right? that. Chris Dunn's, you know, back actually playing confident basketball. Uh, Laurie Markinen looks like he's going to be a legitimate and That's a testament to Fred Hoiberg as well. Is that fair to say? Like, he, like, we thought Chris Dunn was a bust last season. And him coming in the season, right yeah. in Chicago, even Laurie Markinen, a guy is. that I wasn't really big on, but him developing as an offensive threat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Fred Hoiberg as a head coach? I mean... It's hard to say yet. People, say, he's got a good rep, right? But un- unless, you know, in a couple of years, I'll have an opinion on the guy. Yeah, he's got to put together. You got to put together like, a, let's see how we build this program. Yeah, but now. his first year as a head coach, he walked into a situation where the Bulls signed oh, Dwayne Wade, Rojan Rondo, and had Jimmy Butler. As oh well. no, he he, uh, which is, I mean, he inherited a situation where they he had players that won't match the style of play that he actually wanted to come in and play. Right, and I think now he's actually getting a chance to help build the program. Mm-hmm. Still, the Bulls are a long way in, in my mind from competing. But I mean, the problem with the Bulls is that they've actually started to play well. They're not tanking properly, right? They, this team would not. They actually do need another high draft pick, as presently constructed. Mark Cannon isn't going to be like a. Fra- I don't think he is the franchise cornerstone. I see him as a complementary piece or like one A one B type. To another good player. Well, he's no Nikolai Meritich, right? Well, and that's the thing. They got to <laughs> trade him. They're going to get a top 10 pick this year. Yeah, and, and, and that's well, that's what I mean, right? They, they could trade they Meritich for another maybe top 15 pick. Yeah, and which will like help that. them lose because if, because Meritich is playing so well, he's not helping them lose. Yeah, they, they have guys two, out there that are going to help you lose. Yeah, they have two picks in the top. Look, the sentiment for the Bulls was at the beginning of the year, I think the Raptors beat them in one game, and you guys were like, they suck. What a terrible trade to get rid of, you know, and blow up I and blah, blah, that. blah. It's changed now, right? Like you've seen kind of the at least the thought process of what their GM is thinking is when Chris Dunn's healthy, when Zach Levine, first of all, is healthy, they'll at least be exciting for the fans. They might win a game or two. That's how you're kind of supposed to tank. It's, 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 it's similar to Atlanta. At least you can see that, like a foundation or a core at least. Like, yeah. A few guys that you can build. Yeah. The last right? thing you want to be is like a Houston Astros in baseball where you lose literally like 110 games a season. You don't want to see a team lose 75 games a year. No fans will come out and watch that. Yeah. You have to at least tank but with some class. I yeah. think the Bulls are kind of doing that. Yeah. All right, guys, moving along. Christian, I'm going to throw this to you, buddy. The Charlotte Hornets, another fun team to talk about. The, the Charlotte uh. Hornets. Well, I mean, I, I they also didn't do too much this offseason that was great. Malik Monk and Dwayne Bacon. In my Dwight Howard. <laughs> so, my, so Dwight Howard is my pick for their best offseason acquisition because of how well he's played and also because of the trade they, they, they did for him. They ended up getting rid of players that ended up being almost the same in contract value yet were way worse on the floor and way less productive. So, so Dwight Howard would be the best. I think Michael Carter-Williams would be the worst acquisition. Mm-hmm. I, ever since his rookie year, when he won Rookie of the Year – He's always had so much potential because he's like a long point guard who should be able to defend. Can't shoot. Exactly. And, I mean, I I hate Rondo more than anything. The number one reason is because he can't shoot. I don't like like players who can't shoot in the NBA. It's at least a free throw or a three-pointer. So, anyways, to me, he's he's sort of the worst. I don't think they have much of a future. Uh, Dwayne Bacon is... I really liked him. I still do, but I don't know if he's going to be that player who can take over and be like a Donovan Mitchell ever and, and actually become the leading scorer on the team. Mm-hmm. I love Kemba Walker, but in, in terms of where they're going, like next year they have pretty much the same team. Most of their players are coming back. Uh, nothing's going to change for them. If anything, they're just hoping LeBron leaves to the Western Conference. They sneak into the playoffs at the eight for the next three or four years. 
Can't do much when you have Michael Carter Williams. Michael Carter Williams, sorry, Michael K. Gilchrist on your roster. I know he's a second overall pick, and I think the idea of him actually outweighs his on-court play. Like the guy has the physical tools to be a great basketball player. He just can never get his jumper going. They also um, lost their coach, eh? Just poor drafting as well. You know, they they are in a situation where they could have had like what five draft picks for Frank Kaminsky. They just took Frank for some reason. You know, Cody Zeller top five. They haven't really been doing a great job drafting, and but they have no three-point shooters. Good. But last year they were good. Last year they were. Uh, last couple of years, they've. All, I remember when the Raptors played them. They always give us a, a hard time. They're they're always above five hundred. The problem here might be quite simple. Dwight Howard, wherever That's, Dwight Howard goes, I couldn't agree with you more. He may stuff the stat sheet, but realistically, how much better is he making his team? We could see Atlanta last year. Yeah, you know, you could see what he they was traded doing him on for a LA. ham sandwich like, beyond beyond Orlando. Like he has not been in a system where he and he know, wanted out in system, Orlando. Right? Well, it's not like Atlanta's gotten better since they got rid of him. Like I don't think no, you but point it, it all says on something Dwight Howard. That it says something that they traded him for a slice of bread. I mean, you know I mean, honestly, you look at all the teams he's been on, like L.A. and Atlanta and Charlotte. They're just all Houston, bad teams. No. Houston. I mean, they were he was, but he can't seem to get like the teams he's on now. Even in in Houston, it's like the idea, as Brandon said, the idea of Michael Kidd Gilchrist. The the idea of him being there seems to outweigh his actual. Like the on-court production, like well, it's creative limitations when you have a guy like yeah. Dwight Howard as your center. But I it's think also a personality thing. Like we remember Houston with Harden, they just didn't clash, and and he stopped playing and he started to pout. Right, and also Nicholas Batum has been playing some horrendous basketball this season. Yeah, he's Coming really yeah. He's a guy that I thought would you know definitely be that secondary ball handler creator on that team, and he just hasn't really been. He's shooting twenty nine percent from three. Yeah. Kemba's only shooting 34%. Maybe the like Cavs the should make a run at, at Howard if they can't get Jordan. Oh, that would you just, you just said Howard is maybe Maybe LeBron, man. Maybe LeBron can maybe, get him Maybe the like, Celtics. If Kobe Bryant's not doing it, LeBron James is sure as shit not doing it either, okay? <laughs> well, maybe the Celtics, they can pick him up. For, for no, Aaron they wouldn't need to. All right, guys, no. moving down the list. Uh, a very surprising team. Uh, the Indiana Pacers head coach Dave McMillan, Jim Kevin Pritchard, currently sitting eighth in the Eastern Conference at 21 and 19. Uh, I'm going to start off with a negative. I thought Miles Turner would turn a corner of the season. I thought Miles Turner would be at least an 18 and 10 guy mm, with yeah. maybe 35% of the three point line. He's 14.6.5 rebounds, shooting 49% in the league, or sorry, 49% from the field. Just not the numbers I expected from Miles Turner coming into the season. But focusing on the positives, Kevin Pritchard got lampooned for trading Paul George for the package of Demonis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo. Looking back at this trade, I don't think Kevin Pritchard lost his trade, especially with the recent play of Victor Oladipo currently averaging 24.5 points per game, 5.2 assists, 4.1 rebounds, and a player efficiency rating of 24.5. And we talked about him sort of being discussion as a better shooting guard to Demar. DeRozan, he's playing MVP caliber basketball for the Indiana Pacers and kind of showing that he is worthy of the number two overall selection in 2013. Mm-hmm. And even talking about Demas Bonus, who last season was forced in a situation where he was playing outside the post, shooting those 18-foot clunky shots. That's not his game. He's not a stretch floor. He's a low post banger. You can see it this season has improved play of 12.4 points per game, eight rebounds. Also, a few other guys who are playing stellar basketball. I'm talking 
and Bojan Bogdanovich, 13.7 points per game, currently shooting 47% from He's the field, player. 38% from three. Even Darren Collison is arguably having the best season of his career, averaging 12.5 points per game, 5.5 assists. Get this, he's shooting 44% from the three-point line. Yeah. The team is seventh in the league in true shooting. The guys, like, it's like what we're talking about, the Hornets did well. Everything went right. With the Pacers this yeah. season, literally everything is going right, with the yeah. exception maybe of Miles Turner, who's yeah. not playing horrendous basketball. It's having a group of maybe C, D-level talent, but just it's a perfect situation. Nate McMillan is doing a fantastic well. job. Of I was going to say, that's the most under. I think Nate McMillan right now is probably one of the top five Doing a top, a good job of a top five coach in the league right now. Talking about who won that trade, it's also that again. We talk about how Atlanta didn't uh, leverage its 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 resources, right? Uh, When they traded for George, he's it's an expiring contract. Mm Right? And they've got back these guys that are on longer term deals now. Yeah, but I never thought Oladipo could be the alpha dog on offense that he is today. Like, I never thought Oladipo could turn a corner like this. I always knew he had talent. I always liked the idea of Oladipo. You were always high the on the actual... I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same thing from Zach Levine. Zach Levine? It, well, it's, it's players well, who have been restricted, right? They've yeah, been in roles where... We're also talking where, about a guy who's bread and butter's athleticism coming off a catastrophic ACL injury. I, but I'm just saying, if you play age, with Russell Westbrook, at, you're um, going to be restricted in, at, in terms of your shot attempts. If you play with Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, you're going to be restricted, right? So when these players break out, I'm not too surprised, right? Like, these players are actually... They're talented. It's just they're not on the best team. Oladipo is an ISA alpha dog kind of guy. You know, he's not a spot up shooter. He's not no, great off the ball. He has the ball in his hands. They, they've also that regressed a bit. More around yeah, him. they're fine though. They're fine in the sense that at least they have two pieces of a foundation. They have a really good center in Miles Turner, Turner and they have a guy and, they can yeah, build Oladipo. around in Victor Oladipo. Yeah. And there's a couple complimentary pieces yep. that look mm-hmm. fantastic moving forward. All right, next team up to bat. Gregory, can you talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers for me? Well. I feel like the Cavs. Boo. <sighs> Boo. Whenever you trade a superstar, with the exception of what we just talked about with, with, with Paul George, most times you trade a superstar, you don't end up the winner of a trade. And at the time when I looked at getting Thomas and Crowder, I thought, okay, that's a comparable switch. And the draft pick, of course. Mm-hmm. And Zizic. <laughs> and Zizic. Uh I still see, like, when you, man, you got rid of Kyrie Irving, LeBron James better stay. Mm-hmm. Like, if he doesn't, you just gave away your future. Now, no, they didn't. No, that he well, was. Are you insinuating that Kyrie left because James didn't want him there? Yeah, there, there is a personal issue between them. Obviously, that's, there, it's come out now. I always assumed it was just Kyrie wanted to be the man, finally. No, they, no, he, he was tired of being uh, under the buddy. Of LeBron, yeah, no, yeah. Tra- no, and and the way that LeBron was treating him, right, like calling him, you know, little little brother and, right, and all right. that kind of stuff. Uh, look, if they can do something with that with that uh, trade p- uh, pick, oh, sorry, if they could do something with that pick that they got, then the trade that they made in the off season, it starts to look a little different. But mm-hmm. as of now, Cleveland is. In my opinion, worse than they a little bit worse than they were last year. Mm-hmm. They got that pick to secure a future. The problem is you only maybe have LeBron for this year, and you gotta gotta make a decision. We haven't won a champ. We've won one championship in how many years? Fifty years. You got the best player in the world. It's now or never. What do let's you do? trade what do you... this pick. Let's get DJ. Let's go with the Warriors. The problem is if LeBron leaves next year, you're fucked. So you're saying put all your chips in one basket? Not I'm pay saying the future that's the decision season? that they have to make. What would you make in this situation? It depends what I can get back. 
if I could get back someone and I think of course I'd have to talk it over with LeBron like would you would you package the Brooklyn pick straight up for DeAndre Jordan it would it would, it would be Let's say Tristan straight up. Thompson Thompson it's, and the pick for yeah. uh, DeAndre yeah it would future because you're not because protected. because you know then look I mean the other way of looking at it is no you you use the pick and you secure your future long term. The issue is you only get so many kicks at the can. You only get so many chances where mm-hmm. you're actually going to be in the finals where, hey, if we win four more games, we get a championship that stays around forever. You only get so many shots like that, and this is one of those shots. I Honestly, I think LeBron James is holding the whole organization's hostage by not letting them know what his plans are long term. Mm-hmm. Right? I would actually demand that LeBron lets me know where he's at because if he's leaning towards not going, right? If he's saying, I'm going to stay, I trade that pick. Mm-hmm. Right, I, I swap that pick. I get I get DeAndre. If not, if he's honestly saying no, I'm not going to tell you. I don't know where my head is at. I go okay, that's you, fine. Don't you we think, play it out? Don't you think forcing him to tell you that would I help got him? It. Force well, him you would to hope leave? that the owner has a better relationship with well, LeBron. The owner than does, he does not. He does I think it. we know I the know. relationship there. So it's a tough spot. I think I, you got to go for it. I, I think just, you trade the pick. So I just don't. Uh, you mentioned this a couple of times that Cleveland would be absolutely fucked if they went for it. Let's just say, and they made that trade. And or LeBron whatever, leaves. And LeBron leaves. Not fucked per se, but they're but not. Think at about the it, LeBron. Go, so think about it though. LeBron goes LeBron. to the Western Conference. Okay, he goes to the Lakers. Let's just say, or wherever, like in the West. And now they're stuck. Stuck with quotation marks with Isaiah Thomas if they sign him to max contract if they, they can they have LeBron they, thirty million. If, what, well, again, they could be number one in the East technically if they really wanted to go with with Love, Thomas, and DeAndre Jordan, right? Like that's still a good threat. That Jordan could, only has, I think, a year left. I think is this the final year of his kids an opt out? I think. So you'd really be renting him if LeBron stayed. If he said no, you know, I'm an, an informal gentleman's agreement that as of now I'm planning to stay around for two more years, right? Then you could uh, get DeAndre back for sure. Otherwise, it just could be a short-term rental and DeAndre jumps ship again. It's almost harder because if LeBron stays, then what do you do with? I- then you almost can't sign Isaiah Thomas because we know the kind of money he's going to command next year. So then you almost are forced into a decision where you're almost stuck with LeBron and Kevin Love and you have to build around them again. So Cavs almost, not to say they're worse off with LeBron on their team. Obviously they're better. But it's not too bad to say that if LeBron left they'd be completely screwed for the next three years after that. And, and not that they'd be screwed, but their chances of, they, of winning a championship. Well, the championship like, of winning they, the Eastern they, they Conference would have missed their window. So let's say LeBron leaves. They still have Kevin Love. IT leaves. They get Trey Young. Trey Young... Kevin Love as a foundation moving forward. How many years does Kevin Love have on his deal? Yeah, I, I don't think that would be anything for the first couple of years. Like, yeah, wouldn't. but as a, like a new foundation, as at least a little bit of an identity post LeBron. Well, Kevin Love's what 27, 29? Oh, it's 29. Then 29, no. 30. Then no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bank on something like that. That's more like your. I mean, it's it's obviously a. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that would be a foundation that you can build a team around. Kevin Love is a is a complimentary piece. He's a star. I don't. He's a star slash superstar, but he can't lead a team. He needs to be a supporting player. All right, Graffin. Let's talk about Motown's very own Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons. So I've I've liked the Pistons all year long, and I think I mean they've regressed a bit. Now they're twenty one and eighteen. They got hammered by Philly. Uh, they they did get hammered by Philly, but. If you look at their off season, because obviously they they were, I think at the starting of the year they were the biggest one of the bigger surprises in the NBA in the sense that their record was really good. Um, they're in terms of free agency, they ended up getting a couple good players, but I think the trade for to get Avery Bradley was probably the best thing that they did. 
Um, he's such a good lockdown defender. He's so important on their team. Um, and also just the decision to let Caldwell Pope go and just to, let, to not re-sign him and let that money walk. Red man in jail. What a smart decision to essentially <laughs> get him and then, or to lose him and get Avery instead. You lose Caldwell Pope and Morris and you get Avery. I think that was a that was a great deal. The only thing I didn't like was their draft. I mean, they, they drafted Luke Kennard. I know you... But again, just think about it this Brandon's way. They, boy, Luke Kennard. They, they, I'm not... Like, I, I think he's I know. like a... I don't know why Luke Kennard is my boy. I, Donovan Mitchell's my boy. Only guy in the panel in the top 10, FYI, for our listeners. Well, FYI, they could have drafted Donovan Mitchell go. with that pick. 13. So that's, uh, that's the only thing I didn't like about their offseason is the draft. They, they ended up... And then again, if you look in their future, Sure. I don't know. The Pistons, to me, like, they're not that scary. Like, if we face the Pistons in the first round of the playoffs, I really wouldn't be but too worried about well it match up well against them. That's why. I know. But even if you're, like, a team like Cleveland or if you're Boston, is it really that they've scary? Just done, they've done a terrible job drafting. I could see Detroit matching yeah, up better against terrible Boston job. than us. You're talking about Stanley Johnson, what, taking eighth overall? Still. You're talking Henry Ellenson as well? Like, just they're not developing. You're right. Guys. They're not... You're right. They're not going to draft This him. was like a month or two ago. Everyone was so high on, oh, the Pistons are the best story in the NBA. I guess we got to see how this season ends up, right? Because they were having a good year. Yeah, I know. But, uh, I mean, they might have the exact opposite year that the Magic had. Was, or, sorry, not the Magic. The Heat had last year. Yeah. Where they had a killer beginning, and then yeah. the end, all of a sudden, they fall off yeah. down the stretch. I wouldn't be surprised. I like uh, the NBA with a good Detroit team. Everyone says that about the Lakers. Fuck the Lakers. I like the NBA when Detroit is good. Well, Andre Drummond is so Detroit. Yes. That, like, like, that's the kind of player I like them to build around for their future. And like, the, Andre Drummond, he's young. Uh, Reggie, um, Reggie Jackson. He's been injured. That, yeah. guy's, that guy's key for that team. Absolutely. He is pretty big. But the Pistons, again, if we face them in the playoffs, I'm not too scared. We face them next year in the playoffs with the same roster they have. Whatever. They're not... They're not. They're not. They're going to be a team that finishes mid pack, so they're not going to get a high draft pick either. It's not. They're going to be. They're not that, not that to, scary. They're going to be in that five to six. Yeah, they're range. stuck in that mid tier range. Yeah. All right, heading a little south. Next team to be uh, talked about, I guess, the Miami Heat. Uh, Miami Heat, led by head coach Eric Spolstra, are currently twenty three and seventeen, eight and two in their last ten. Definitely on the upswing right now. I'll start with the positives. I think Josh Richardson is playing some fantastic basketball player. Yeah. Second round gem. Um, 12.6 points per game, 3.2 assists, 2.5 rebounds, shooting 45% from the field. Listen, he's not a guy you can build your organization around. He's like a, you know, he checks this guy at the bench or a guy who can fill like a point guard backup role. I just think he's playing some amazing basketball. I haven't really been able to watch too much heat basketball, but every single time I tune in and watch some play, Richardson's playing some fantastic ball. Um, I'm going to talk about the, uh, I guess, another positive. I thought Bam Adebayo looked fantastic yep. last night. He was like a young Alonzo Mourning. And I was so confused by that pick because you're, what, 15th pick, you're drafting another center. Got the side. RDF has on white side to a long-term contract. It didn't make much sense to me at the time. I like this pick. You know, there's yeah. obviously a, a few guys I'd probably select over him, but he looks like an actual NBA caliber They use him player. as a small ball center. Yeah, and he looks like Dwight Howard. Like when you see him on TV and you look quickly, doesn't he like his facial yeah. strut and his bit jackness? Can, can I just say quickly, Brandon, this team plays like Pat Riley, mm-hmm. right? They are a Pat Riley team. I love how they get after you, man. This is like the Knicks with Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley. I really think that Spolstra, like it's, you know, like uh, Graffin said, uh, you know, I think of one of our early podcasts, right? I mean, it's top down. It starts at the, at the top. Mm-hmm. 
And the way that they get their guys in and they get them all fit, they have them on this crazy workout plan. They're fit, they're intense, they get after you. I have never seen a team play the Raptors as gritty as they did last night. So there's obviously positive this season. The team is eight and two in the last ten. Just I, I, I view, the, the biggest negative for me would be the financial commitment they made in the offseason oh, toward yeah. a lot of question marks, Olenek. handicapping their future towards signing other free agents. And the two signings I'm talking well, we could talk about the Olenek signing. We have four years, James $50 Johnson. million dollars for a guy who's averaging 10.5 points, six rebounds per game. You're signing Dion Waiters and James Johnson to long-term four- or five-year contracts, guys who are good basketball players, but, but have not proven the consistency in the long term, especially with Dion Waiters signing a four-year, $52 million contract, currently averaging 14 points per game, shooting under 40% from the field. James Johnson's playing some fantastic basketball, but the question is, is he a four-year, $60 million guy? Nope. Um, you know, it, it's just difficult to have a guy like Dion Waiters as one of like your primary go-to options, especially offensively. You know, the team, as I mentioned, is fourth place in Eastern Conference, but they sit 23rd in the NBA in the assist-to-turnover ratio at 16.7. Yeah. You know, like, the, the, the team, I guess, based on the eye test, looks fine, but there are a few holes, especially when it comes to ball management. They need to package some of those guys, Brandon, in a trade for another impact. Yeah, but player. that's what I'm trying to get at. These but these are contracts. untradeable contracts, especially yeah. right now. Yeah. But they're such a deep team and that's where I think they're they're better than so many other players like or so many other teams, sorry. It's like their bench unit is yeah, very but once very you get good. To the playoffs. See my see another negative for me will be this the, the evolution of Justice Winslow. I, I just thought he'd be the man right now. Like I thought he'd be at least a semi competent defensive player and a lockdown defender. Currently today he's averaging what, six point six points per game, five point four rebounds for a guy who many people pan as like the you know, yeah. sleeper of the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's all it's, it's all bullshit because the team's fucking eight and two in the last ten, right? Yeah. Um, Goran Dragic is really underrated too. I think Goran Dragic coming up in that Steve Nash system when Phoenix oh, were yeah. under him, he's such a good point guard. We saw it last night. Like he's the way that he distributes the ball and the, the way that he can take over, shoot the threes. He was easily, I, I think the announcers even said it, but he yeah, was easily the best, best player, player last night. He was sure. on the uh, the Low Post, the Zach Low podcast, I think last week and. Funny thing, he when he found out that he was traded the first time from Phoenix to Houston, I believe, mm-hmm. he got on the plane, didn't hear anything, got off the plane, landed in Pearson Airport in Toronto and found out that he was traded. Random <laughs> little Random. thing but, to throw at him. <laughs> I think Spolster, we're going to give uh, credit to coaches here, Spolster also. He's one of the be- the yep. most consistent, best coaches. The Last night, they like to do this often. You're just saying he's half Filipino, aren't you? Yeah, of course. That's the only reason. <laughs> but they like to go big when other teams go small. Yeah. They like to put Whiteside and Bam out there when other teams go small, and it screws with other with other coaches' lineups. Oh, oh yeah. like, so I like New Orleans. I, I love exactly. Last night I love watching that. Casey and Spolstra. The go back chess and forth. match, go yep. back and forth. All yep. the subs. I found it absolutely fascinating. But you know who brought Spolstra up? Pat Riley. Yeah. Right. He came out of the uh, uh, the tape room. Watching tape in the back room, Pat Riley brought him up. Typical right? Filipino. Right? Hey, <laughs> when everyone said, this guy can't win a championship, he doesn't have the personality to control LeBron Wade, right? And everybody thought, Riley's going to come down and start coaching that team. Riley stuck with him, right? And yeah. now he's the longest tenured coach in, uh, in the NBA, or right? one of the, after Popovich and Carlisle. 
Hey, great guy. Yep. All right, next team up to bat is the Milwaukee Bucks. Greg, I'll throw this over to you, buddy. They got Giannis. <laughs> What did you think of Greek Appreciation Night? Can I tell you something? My dad, I was, <laughs> I was, I was saying this. I was saying this to um, to last time to graph him. Greek. I my, my dad and his wife are so obsessed with watching Antetokounmpo, right? Like yeah. this guy, they tell me he's on the Greek news all the time. Eh? They are so obsessed with watching. Wait, 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 are you Greek? Cypriot. Cypriot. <laughs> I am Canadian and proud of it. I'm so yeah, I'm a Toronto right mutt. Oh God, look. <laughs> They okay. The the they are so obsessed with watching Giannis that the other day because they're in Rochester right now and, Sorry, and, and they don't get hold on and they don't get the they don't get the telecast. My dad calls me and asks me to turn on my laptop, put on the Facebook video, and show the game through Facebook so he can watch Giannis. That is dedication. Do you want to tell him about like a streaming site, like you know, that he could watch? Do you it really want to? Do you think Greg knows old, how to stream video? Do you know? Okay, do you really Greg want to watch your old father through like this a, on the phone of like a sixty-five-year-old man? Look, I, I know old people suck with technology. Do but you really want to have that conversation to, with to, your dad on the phone? Man, I've known you for like ten years, and I always thought you were Greek for some reason. <laughs> Bigotry. Mind blown right now. This, this, Ignorance. This, this is the inside joke. Uh, Greg, you're definitely Greek in our eyes. Don't worry. All right. <laughs> you're our Greek freak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so continuing the Milwaukee Bucks talk, Giannis is always going to be playing Giannis. MVP. Cal- Nothing else? Nothing else they, we're talking about? I want to see them when they Eric get... Eric Bledsoe? I want to see a little bit of Middleton? Yeah, I know. I like all that. Maker. Oh, you mean Middleton, the guy that's higher than DeMar DeRozan in Sports Illustrated? He was 34, DeMar DeRozan 35. And then For his DeRozan, hypothetical defense. Yeah, and then DeRozan drops 52 on him. You think that was by accident? Um, yeah, no, I, I like the Bledsoe uh, trade for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Although, you saw what, what Jonas did to them. They, are, they need... Somewhat, they're actually rumored to go after DeAndre Jordan because they're too small inside, man. Like John Henson is just like, and uh, Thon Maker, those guys are they're paper thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Jason Kidd; he's such a cerebral coach. They're uh, they're a piece away, and that might be when when Jabari Parker comes back. Watch out; that team is still dangerous. They're underperforming right now. It'd be interesting to see if they do with DeAndre. I mean, with um, with Parker because the guy has obviously missed last couple seasons of injury. Um, second hasn't a, really been ACL a part tear. of this foundation though. Like, could he, Jabari be a trade chip yes. to get a guy like DeAndre Jordan? Yes, interesting. I Jabari so. Parker when he comes. When Jabari Parker comes back, I think it's going to be February or something, the Bucs are going to be so good. And I don't think it even matters. They've gone this whole long defensive players. They don't need a big man inside. I think if they put Greek Freak to the five, he can stop. He's not strong, but again, he's so long that he could play against it. That's exactly what you're getting almost with DeAndre, except not as mobile. But how can you say that? We saw Jonas Valanciunas outscored the Bucks in the third quarter and out-rebounded them. The last time that happened was five years ago I just in the think NBA. we're all forgetting how good Jabari Parker is. Like This is a guy who can average 20 and 10. Yeah. He plays the four. He can hit he's shots. Strong. He will space the floor. Remind he will you, make that hey, team two, two, ACL, two ACL tears yeah. is nothing to sneeze at, though. That's exactly look, where it's going. To me, you got to question his longevity now. Look, there's two players though. Malcolm Brogdon and Tony Snell have kind of become expendable in my eyes yeah. for the Bucks. Yeah. So if you're going to trade Brogdon anyone, as being expendable, I don't see Snell as being expendable. That guy is a under like just underrated, an underrated like lockdown defender. 
one, yeah. two, one to three. But I, again, I if they can trade those two defense. players and get one that's a little bit better and more yeah. of like a presence, I think that would be the the Bucks have done a great job. I think that would be the only move they can make. All right, yeah. guys, approaching an hour. We got a couple teams left to talk about. Graffin, let's talk about the tumbling Orlando Magic. All right. Well, the Magic aren't worth more than a minute, so I'll do this really quickly. Uh, and, uh, Jonathan Simmons, he is definitely to me their best offseason move. Uh, he's been great this year, honestly. Um, not to mention the fact that. I think uh, last year, uh, Jonathan Simmons was on the Spurs. He pretty much made a really deep playoff run with them, was a huge piece of the, of the pie there. He's 27 years old. Uh, getting him was pretty big for the Magic. And then not drafting Dennis Smith Jr. at number six and getting Jonathan Isaac instead. That's got to be the big... I mean, Dennis Smith... high on Jonathan Isaac? No, the, Brandon the, was. Yeah, the slide, though, of Dennis Smith Jr., I think you could look at any team almost above that. And say they've made a mistake. Yeah, by but not Jonathan drafting. Isaac's still like that guy in the draft that we still don't know who he's going to be. Eventually. It's going to take like, him longer to mature. We've seen a lot of upside from that guy. Like if we're redrafting, he's not a guy that would plummet down. I just think they rate. they fell in like love. A Josh Jackson, for example. I, again, it's one of those things though where I feel like they took not the best player available and they took the best fit in their system because they're in love right now with Alfred Payton. And as good as Alfred Payton is, I think he's already capped on his ceiling. And his I don't think he's yes, I don't think he's getting it capped, yeah. By I don't think way, he's getting though, any better. So Dennis Smith Jr there I think would have been way better. Who is balling right hand. now? You know who's <laughs> fucking balling right now, baby? Mario Herzonia, man. He's getting like 25 minutes a game. Yo, that kid's got game. He might all right, and moving on from the Magic. All right. uh, I'm talking about the New York Knicks very briefly. Head coach Jeff Hornacek, new GM Scott Perry from Sacramento. Team is currently 19-21, and 21, kind of stumbling within the last 10, going 3-7. and seven. Um, What went right, or so I'll start with what went wrong with this organization, is a draft of Frank Natilikina. I like him from what I've seen so far, but when we're talking about like high upside and the guys that are available at the 8th pick, mm. you know, we're talking about guys like Dennis Smith Jr., Donovan Mitchell, etc. There were just a lot better options at that time for the Knicks. Um, but everybody slept on Mitchell. I think. Yeah, and, everybody, and yeah, exactly. I think one it's hard of the, to put Mitchell uh, there. I think one of the positives I would say with the Carmelo Anthony trade, like Ennis Cantor just loves playing in New yeah. York, and he's such a great teammate. I know he has his limitations as a player. He's <laughs> the not the greatest. Of Anthony. Player. He's not, a, he's not a great defender, but the guy has been playing with his heart and soul every single night. He's shooting 60% from the field, 13.5 points per game, uh, 10 rebounds. Obviously, he's a liability defensively when it comes switching, um, but... He's okay. He's he all right. He's getting better. He's getting better. Um, I also love the play of Courtney Lee. 13.5 points per game. Currently shooting 42% from the three-point line. What I also love, love, love is just their efficiency on the offensive side of the ball. Jeff Hornacek is doing a fantastic job with his team this season. They're currently sitting ninth in the league at 46.4%. You know what I love seeing? Beasley outplay... Anthony. <laughs> See, Beasley's one of the reasons why I'm going to look at one of the negatives of Knicks is they're 25th in transition defense in the NBA. <laughs> I just, Beasley just no, doesn't get back on defense. There's so uh, many guys like that AAU and Dermot who just don't run back. Second overall pick as well. Years AAU ago. baby. All right, guys, let's keep the uh, the discussion rolling. Next up to bat is, uh, is Greg. Let's talk about the Toronto Raptors, buddy. You got to love what the Raptors have done. And... I, you know, I'm hearing that 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 they're getting some coverage now in the American media, but it's always like, oh, now we have to talk about the Raptors because everyone or Canadian fans get mad that we don't talk about the Raptors. Yeah, they're okay, but they're just limited. It's the same old, same old. Now they're, you know, now they're more exciting because they're shooting the three ball. That's so exciting. I'm sorry, we had Terrence Ross and DeMar DeRozan back-to-back slam dunk champions throwing down 
the Raptors have been exciting. They play hard. The thing I'm most impressed with with this team is how the young guys have stepped up, right? You you gave the 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 vets contracts. You knew that that they would come and bring it. It was the younger guys. What were they going to do? And everyone from DeLon Wright to Van Vliet, even guys like Nagara, right? Pirtle, Siakam, they, they, they've, everyone but Norman Powell has exceeded my expectations this year. Um, I think what we need to be honest about, though, is are we too deep and how can we get some scoring off our goddamn bench? Because mm-hmm. bench dad CJ Miles running around off screens like JJ Redick isn't going to do it. We got, I think we need some more offense in that second unit. I would love if we could go back and keep Lou Williams. Yeah, well, who, like, who would be that person that we can get, though, off the bench that you think would be, like, perfect? you got to target someone. Like, looking last night and watching the game, Wade Ellington looked pretty good, didn't he? Well, he looked great shooting all those threes. Wade Jennings, go! Brandon, for that! Brandon Jennings coming right, back. Yeah, right, China. Okay, so, Christian, Philadelphia 76ers, very quickly. So the 76ers, I would say in terms of their offseason, I mean, they had a, a pretty crazy offseason. I would say, so it's not an offseason move, but I would say the best move they did was getting rid of Jaleel Okafor. Uh, again, in that trade and getting Trevor Booker back. They got to basically get rid of a player they knew they weren't going to use. They got something back in a good power forward. It's actually, exa- again, like serviceable when, see, player. when Embiid comes off the floor, you need someone who can still score points. Other than, because Simmons doesn't score that much, right? And, he gets like yeah. 10 and 15 a game. So Booker's been getting like between 10 and 15, which is exactly what you need. So I, again, I think that would be their sort of their best offseason move. Their Fultz? worst is the, the worst is Markel Fultz. Is he, is he... Is he flopping? Look, What's look, your... well, we're, dra- we're basing this on the first half of the season, yeah. right? So and he's in, been injured. In the games I saw, he looked bad. It's because of the injury, and since then he hasn't played. I've had I've heard nothing about the timetable for his return. I've seen him on Instagram and on Twitter and all these videos with teammates, with Embiid, but there's been nothing. I, there's been no word on him, from, me, from my end anyways, on when he's coming back. So, yeah, of course, I would say that's been their biggest off-season bust, so to speak, so far. It's, um, it's scary to think if he comes back and fulfills, like, 75% of a, of a number one pick potential. Yeah. Like, if he could just be, like, a, 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 a if he could just hit threes... How good that Like, if we drafted yep. today, I'd still put Markel Fultz in my top three. Knowing this? Yep. W- I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, you I mean, take, you'd probably... You Fultz over Mitchell? I was going to say, you'd probably take no, Donovan Mitchell. top three. Yeah, so you'd probably take Tatum with Mitchell, Mitchell and Dennis Smith. Like, I'd rather have Markel Lonzo Ball. Fultz and... Ananobi, baby. Right I love Ananobi. I would take Lonzo Ball above him. At this point, you're crazy. All right, last team that we're going to talk about, <laughs> we'll get to the Western Conference next week, is the Washington Wizards, currently 23 and 17, 73 in their last 10, currently sitting fifth place in the Eastern Conference. Two things I like player Bradley Beal, currently averaging 23, 23.6 points per game, shooting 45% from the field, embracing that sort of primary offensive option role that he just wanted to grab for years. Um, Otto Porter is playing some fantastic basketball, living up to that massive contract, eh. averaging 14 points per game, six and a half rebounds, shooting 45% from the three-point line. Uh, two things I don't like from the Washington Wizards, I'll start off with their bench. Uh, last season, that was the biggest hole in the organization. They needed to come in this offseason to shore up their bench. Currently today, they're ranked 28th in bench efficiency per hoopstats.com. They're getting really poor years from 
Jody Meeks, Tim Frazier, Jason Smith, and Mr. Four Year, $64 million, Ian Mahinmi. One of the and worst contracts in the NBA. Probably the worst. Him and Joachim Noah. And the second thing I don't like about the season has been just uh, the lack of development from John Wall this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy averaging 18.7 points, nine assists, shooting 41% from the field, from the field goal percentage. But he's also what was he? His field goal percentage is off uh, 0.4% from last season. Uh, decrease of 4.5 points per game and 1.7 assists. The guy is literally getting worse. They need John Wall to step up. They're even going to entertain the thought of contending in the Eastern Conference. All right, guys. Bam, we got through the Eastern Conference. Brandon, can I ask you, Brandon? We're running. Has over- John Wall peaked? Huh? Has John Wall peaked? No, no. John Wall's con- it's still evolving. He's just having a fucking absolutely horrendous start to the season. He's 27. He's still getting better. How old's Demar Derozan Based again? Based on athleticism. How old's Demar Derozan? But he, this guy doesn't work like Demar works. It's true. Alrighty. So moving on, uh, we got our, we're running a little late, guys. Our apologies. We got one uh, segment to get to. One of the biggest stories this week was is multifaceted. So first of all, uh, Lamelo Ball previously was playing for UCLA. They were in China, shoplifted from a Louis Vuitton store, subsequently got sent back home. His dad took Lamelo and Leangelo and is forcing him to play in Lithuania right now. You uh, can't make that up. On, on, <laughs> you can't make that on up. On the other side of the story, uh, LeVar Ball recently spoke with ESPN's Jeff Goodman and sort of talk about his displeasure with Luke Walton as the head coach of the LA Lakers. We'll listen to that clip very briefly. You made some strong comments to me uh, earlier off camera about Luke Walton and the fact that oh yes, uh, some the players didn't want to play. They don't that's, want to play for Luke. That's, that's 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 the mindset I have on the fact that I'm I'm looking and like when you, when you lose by twenty and thirty, I've always said. When you lose by 20 and 30, I can tell my boys, you don't want to play for me. You don't want to play. So I tell them that's a pride thing. And that's what I see on the, on the outside sometimes. So, Greg, I know you want to talk about this, so we won't go into too much depth. But what's your gripe with this situation? My issue is with the amount of people that are actually hating on LeVar Ball. Because Uh-oh. let me tell you, Brandon. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. It's not LeVar Ball, right, who's bringing the microphones out. It's not LeVar Ball that invented the media circus of the sport media complex. Okay? He's just the guy that's figuring out how to make money off it. How can you hate on LeVar when this is how the president of the United States got in office? Okay? Reality TV has been around for 10, 50. No, but it's part of a bigger culture, right? Yes. To me, it's the, the problem isn't LeVar. The problem is with Disney, it's a, right? It's a media the, the owner, started. yeah, they created this monster, just like Trump. You created this monster, and now you got to deal with it, okay? Because I think this is all because the LA media needs to manufacture storylines to get away from the fact that the Lakers suck. They have a poor product on the court. They thought they said it would be Showtime Lakers. No, this is just a big show, okay? You brought in this young prodigy coach. You made, you know, you you got this rookie that came up, you, you drafted a guy based on the fact that you thought he would put fans in the seats, right? Outside of any sort of quality that he may bring, his shot was obviously broken. He, he was too weak to make an immediate impact in the, in the NBA, right? The Lakers are a joke. That's the storyline. I hope they stay bad for a while. 
But again, the issue here to me isn't LeVar. It's the whole Lakers, LA media, basketball 24-hour news cycle that just needs something to talk about. They sent an ESPN reporter to Lithuania with him. Right. But his sports What are they doing? Jeff Goodman, a good one as well. Jeff Goodman, what but why? Quick question for you. Is sport for entertainment? Sport is entertaining. Exactly. It is that, but it is not. It the is intention not, of the league is to make it as entertaining as possible to, by James having this colorful character with LeVar Ball brings the game, it makes the game accessible to people who typically want to watch the game. In the but first LeVar place. Ball isn't part of the game. My, it's I'm one a, thing I'm to not have entertaining LeVar Balls for the betterment of the game itself, but I'm saying like I, I agree with you. I'm just being I'm playing the other side and saying yeah. LeVar Ball. The, the, the intention of sport in general is is, is a cultivate entertainment. You know Enjoy. I, mean? I would say enjoyment, enjoyment and entertainment. Sure, but that both comes from watching the game. Right. Not all these bubblegum bullshit celebrity storylines that happen. This guy's speaking yeah, but how, in Lithuania. How, ESPN invested what billions of dollars toward buying the television rights to the NBA. They want to preserve their asset. In, in order to preserve their asset, they, they need to push out this sort of megalomaniac on air every single night to, like, you know, like authenticate yeah. their purchase or some yeah. shit like that. I don't know how I would frame yeah. it. I think the Lakers need to trade Lonzo. <laughs> you, you, heard it, you heard it here for it. Who the hell would want Lonzo and LeVar? <laughs> well, there the you go. Um, all right, guys. Thank you very, very much for listening. I apologize for missing a month of podcasts. We'll be back doing this Straight on a regular up. basis. Greg is over is talking over me while I'm doing an intro right now. What do you want to talk about, Jonas Valanciunas? Trade for? Jonas Valanciunas straight up. Football. Would you I, do it? I don't think Greg understands how trades work in the NBA. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you very, very much for listening. Again, you can catch us on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Uh, we'll be back next week. And with that, have a fantastic week.